Welcome to the Mid-Market CFO Circle podcast powered by Radius One. I'm your host, Madhurima Gupta. Uh, we hear you, Mid-Market CFOs, and we've got your back. Every Thursday, we bring you CFO Circle podcast with your peers, and we discuss the challenges that you face and how you can leverage emerging technology to solve it. Today, we have with us Wayne Spywick. Hi, Wayne. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good morning. Well, thank you. Good morning to you. So, Wayne, I'll start with a few words about you. Uh, so, you know, Wayne is an experienced CFO, CIO, C, uh, COO, and has spent last 30 years in small, medium-sized business market space. He's been the president at uh, SBA Consulting since 1995, and it, he's currently CFO, a speaker, writer for the same consulting uh, company. He is also an instructor on Illumio Academy. Um, and he has been doing a wealth of webinars for the busy finance executives. So on that note, uh, we want to get started with this interview with Wayne, uh, who has consistently forged a path to success and has led others in solving problems and delivering value. And that's exactly what we want to do today. We want to offer all our listeners value from his insights. So to get started, Wayne, uh, my first question is to understand uh, that with digitization becoming a mandate for CFOs in 2022. There is a dilemma whether to accelerate growth through digital initiatives or preserve and restore organizations' financial health right, by cutting costs. So how would you recommend finding the right balance? The mandate ends, the, ends up being a business requirement to succeed as opposed to a legal requirement that you must have to do it. So you have a lot of wiggle room as we like to say. It's taking a look at your budget and making intelligent cuts and reallocations. So when I talk to people about cash flow problems, you know, sometimes you can increase revenues, but a lot of times you have to cut your costs. But cutting a cost is just not cutting costs. It's reallocating some of those uh, savings to, to, to go back into productivity to help raise revenues. So for a business, you have to look at what technologies you need to adopt. I mean, you may not have a choice. You, you wanna go sell to department stores or big box stores and they use EDI. You don't have a choice, you must use EDI. But there are different EDI vendors out there at different price points. And if you're able to have some uh, variance in who you could choose, sometimes you can't, then, then what you do is you, you try to find the most cost-effective solution. Uh, on, the, on the flip side is you can turn around and say, not everybody needs access to our accounting ERP system so that we're not gonna give you user access. And if there's a, a per user access fee, well, you've just saved some money. Uh, and not everybody needs it, even though they think they need it. So it, it's intelligent use of your dollars to maximize the effort to, to digitize or become more computer centric. Most costs are, are, are payroll, salary, manpower. So if you're able to save money in uh, configuring your systems to be more automatic, less user intervention, and you set it up correctly the first time, you don't have to worry about auditing everything that you have. So you mentioned about, uh, you know, maybe restricting the number of 
per user licenses that you buy, right? Or you figure out uh, the best way to cost effectively, get the solution that's gonna help streamline while you do not exponentially increase your costs, right? But if you talk about creating value in the long term, these uh, different kind of inhibitions that a company or a CFO might implement may have detrimental effects. Do you agree with that? Or is that something that you've not seen happen? Every decision has unintended consequences. Right. Uh, you know, that's why you reforecast your budget on a monthly basis mm -hmm. because you get better information. Mm -hmm. And someone or some decision made last month may no longer be valid with new information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, nothing. Uh, I once taught a, a lecture at Columbia University in, in New York, and I came in with. A, a plan on how I was going to teach it. And I sort of did a poll of the students and found out that none of them knew accounting. It was, a, it was for programmers who had to do with project management. So I, you know, I had to change my whole lecture on the fly, which came back to an important concept that plans are dynamic, not static. So you have to be nimble. Companies that are no longer nimble have the greatest uh, difficulty in sustaining themselves. Absolutely. So in that case, when companies are, let's say today, planning for what their finance functions should look like in 2025, uh, what would you say would help them ensure or minimize the risks associated with maybe cutting costs today? My feeling is that the system shouldn't be siloed. They should be interconnected. And today, more than ever before, especially when you use cloud-based systems, which used to be called client server, back in the, in the day when I had a beard that was not gray, <laughs> you, um, everything now can be connected through APIs. So you don't want somebody to enter data three times. You want them to enter once, and through the magic of APIs, it appear in, in all the systems. So all the systems should be interconnected so that data flows. Uh, somebody just asked a, a question on a Slack system having to do with they're doing consolidation and they found that in their Excel spreadsheets, they're double counting and triple counting revenue. Uh, and my question back was, why isn't your systems doing the consolidation, which by theoretically should allow you not to double and triple count assuming of course you configured it properly but that's always the case so uh, you know you want you want systems that are interconnected not siloed um great examples of salesforce seems to be one of the the, the biggest and most complicated of the crm systems and i happen to be talking to, to a a senior retail salesperson at this event they went to the other day. And once you get an order and it's confirmed, they move into most systems, that order into the, into the accounting system and the order entry system. Uh, that eliminates a lot of errors because the order itself, the items, the prices, everything has been agreed upon. It's sort of, uh, which is the same concept behind EDI. Uh, the order moves in, it should be seamless. 
and you really shouldn't have to change the order once it's been accepted. Right. So we did, you know, talk about why there is a need to consolidate, uh, you know, disparate system into an integrated system. What I also wanted to understand is that um, often, uh, you know, having this uh, disparate systems become a blocker for CFOs to implement new technology right? because they don't have their data in the right place. Now, in scenarios like that, a company's progress in terms of you know, having a state of art or a world-class finance function takes a backseat. Now, in scenarios like that, for, um, you know, CFOs struggling to get things right because of certain constraints, for example, unavailability of probably, let's say, master data being set up in the right way, uh, what would you say should be the right approach to, uh, you know, set things right as quickly as possible? Well, the interim approach is Excel. And I call that Excel hell because you have 4,000 Excel spreadsheets. And if anybody has ever said Excel spreadsheets don't break, they haven't used Excel. That being said, is, is everything begins with a plan. And from the plan, you process what, what you're going to do. So that's business process mapping. You do it in a gap analysis, and then you execute the plan. So the plan then becomes the new plan, which is how are we going to go from A to B, which is gap analysis. And, and you start moving the data over, which entails you know, dumping data from disparate system one and input, inputting it in to, we'll say consolidated system two. And that, you know, that takes time because of not only programming, but you need to verify. Uh, if you remember uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, when, uh, he was talking about the Russians not, you know, years ago. It was trust and verify. You know, you have to trust the programmers did right, but you have to verify your data. That's the number one thing when you put in a new system is verify that the outcome is what you intended, not something else. If we, you know, dial back to the processes, what I want to understand from you is which process is the most crucial process in order to cash cycle as per you that should be automated and why? Well, uh, as I've already said, the, the receipt of the order into the order entry system needs to be automated if at all possible. Because then the, A, there's error checking if the uh, customer put in the wrong item or the wrong price. It then uh, if you have the, employee do it, you have, you have another chance for an error manually. So there's two errors because now they sent you a piece of paper, whether electronic or not, and you're manually entering it in. So they may not know the agreed upon pricing. It may not be in the matrix that's built into the system. Uh, so so that, that's number one. That also frees up a tremendous amount of time. Uh, you know, from order to uh, the warehouse management system back into invoicing should all be automated. Obviously, you know, as you ship, that's a manual process, but you know, the, the, the flow of the information once something is shipped should be automated. Um, cash receipts is semi-automated when the money comes in. Uh, collections is semi-automated. And, uh, uh, and let's go back to cash receipts. Why is it semi-automated? Because if you send out an invoice for $100 and they send the $100, you have to match it up, but the systems nowadays will 
pretty do a pretty good job of saying, does this look like this? Say yes, and you're done. Uh, but what if they send in $99? Now you have to decide what you're going to do. Uh, if you do ED, uh, excuse me, e-com systems, and you which all take credit cards, every day the credit card company sends you uh, back a, a check that that's net of discounts. And now you have you can have 50, 100, 500 different orders that now you have to match up. So again, a little bit more work, but it's manual to some extent. Um, so that's the cash receipt side. So, uh, you know, if we talk about cash posting and collections, uh, you know, we did kind of touch it in terms of which processes require maximum touch points, um, right? But then within cash posting, I think uh, the process that is the most manual is collecting the checks, right? And um, when you have these checks, you have to map them with your remittances and then record the payments. So in your experience, based on your, your peer interactions, which part of this particular cycle is most uh, um, automated? Or well, it's getting more automated as we go along. In the US, we have checks. Mm -hmm. and that's basically the only country that still has checks. <laughs> uh, I mean, Europe and, and, and Asia, everybody's using wires. So while you might get a payment advance notice, you're waiting for it to come in the bank. Mm -hmm. And again, um, if the data from the bank is accurate enough, the AI in a lot of the accounting systems today, from the low-end systems like QuickBooks and Xero to you know, the high-end systems, be they Microsoft Dynamics, uh, Sage, Intact, NetSuite, or SAP, JD Edwards, will match We'll match up your checks and of course the system says is this this you know it doesn't automatically do it and immense saving is in, in time so a lot of that's already being done and with the advent of all these systems being able to read your bank account and and download the data i mean you don't have to enter checks manually anymore mm -hmm. i remember when you had to add, literally take the checks that came in the mail mm -hmm and one by one apply them. Yeah. Nowadays, you can just add them up. I mean, you don't even have deposit slips anymore in the US. You just can scan them or bring them in and they'll scan the individual checks and put a credit on your account in the bank. And then you just match it up afterwards and you can look at which checks came in. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been automated tremendously with uh, positive pay. So you'll go from bookkeepers or, or, or accounting quirks to accountants that are more trained that will be able to do some more analysis. Um, moving on to the next question, uh, I wanted to understand from you, if there are CFOs who are looking to manage cash flow seamlessly, what steps would you recommend them take so that uh, their finance function can be on the path to success? Well, there are three aspects to cash flow. There is your accounting, which comes from your accounting system. If that's not clean, you know, there's an old data uh, cliche, garbage in is garbage out. Well, you're already gonna get garbage in, so your cash flow uh, management will be off, your runway will be off. So you need clean data, you need a good accounting system. Second is your budget and your forecasts. You really need 
in my opinion, to forecast on a monthly basis. And the re-forecast or the forecast, whichever way you want to look at it, is not as time intensive as the budget. It's looking at what information have you garnered and what has changed. In sales, that, that can move your different sales lines up and down. You may have had a price increase in what you were sale, and or you might have a new estimation of how many units you're going to sell. So you need to do a, a, a monthly reforecast out for 18 months. So you're over rolling 18 months. And you have to understand that three months out is pretty accurate. Four to six months is mm, not so accurate. 12 months to 18 months is really a wild ass guess, a wag. After 18 months, uh, you're kidding yourself. Unless you, have, unless you have contracts out that long, that's a joke. On the expense side, you know what your rent's going to be. And if you have a three-year contract, you know exactly what it's going to be for three years. It's not going to change with the exception of maybe your share of taxes. All right. So you would uh, find out what the taxes are and reforecast that part of your rent. Uh, the biggest area and the biggest expense that you have sans uh, salaries, which needs to be reforecast every month because you constantly have different head counts and raises and whatnot, is if you sell a product, your buys. And your buys need to be adjusted and maintained based on your sales forecast. If you, if you buy a lot of goods based on a 60-day turnaround time and you're selling it in 120, you're gonna have cash flow problems because you're not recouping your investment plus your profit. And there's very important topic, or, or cliche, not a cliche, but a line, you can't spend profits. You can only spend cash. So now you have the two biggest uh, inputs into your cash flow system, which is good accounting and your, your budget's forecasts. And then you need a, a system, and the best way of doing it is having an automated system uh, like a product like Dry Run, or, and there are others out there, there's some called 17 or a few others, that will allow you to take these inputs in and it will quickly calculate what your runway is. So it's always better to know ahead of time that you're going to run out of cash because unless you have built-in lines of credit, it takes time to, to factor or get an asset-based lender or a loan from the bank uh, or an investor, as the case may be. So um, you want to computerize it. Doing it in Excel is mind-numbing, going slow. But you have to enter all the data. I mean, some of the data you might have, your budget you're going to enter in through a, an import from Excel, but a budget is much easier than literally going there. What if you, you need to model and change certain assumptions? All right. If you have a system that does it, and it, all it takes is saying, okay, increase everything by 5%, and it does it, that's a lot easier than building it into Excel and changing the number, then going back and going back and going back. With some of these softwares, you just create a new forecast. It reads the same basic data in. You can put in the same um, uh, budget, and then you can say add 5% to sales. You can make the bet, you know, all sorts of things. So that's what I would suggest people do for cash flow. And it's one of the things that my company does for, for, for customers. So you know, with the world moving to digital first environment, um, if I asked you what were your tips to your peers to ensure zero touch cash flow management 
what would you recommend? You want a system that reads the bank accounts. You want a system that's improving AI. You want people who are handling the, the, the cash receipt side to understand the collections and the policies so that they just don't write off money that you're going to uh, hurt you at the end. Those are the tips from the, from the cash side. I mean, if you're maintaining, and to use a system that's going to match your business. Uh, people buy systems for the wrong reasons, and we could have a whole episode on that. Uh, they also don't know when they need to actually start looking for a new system. I was working at a startup. I spec'd that certain set of systems. The startup's mission changed the way they, they, they positioned themselves. We were still using the same setup because they stretched it. All of a sudden, when COVID hit, we went from doing a thousand invoices a month to 800 to a thousand invoices a day. Oh, wow. Yes. Now they were small invoices, nevertheless, they're an invoice. Well, they, you, you, know, you said, oh, well, well, if I wanted a PL statement, well, that was, it took like a couple of fractional seconds more. But if I needed to find out any detailed information, literally at some point I had to do partial month uh, reports because it was just too much data. Right. The, system, the accounting system was not built to handle that transactional volume. Mm -hmm. So you, you, know, you, have to, you have to be ready to understand where your business should be going and plan for when you need to do the next upgrade. So, yeah, so what did you do at that startup? I mean, you know, from... Uh, we didn't have the money to do the upgrade and I did 10 day uh, reports and pieced them together in Excel, which is really not, it, 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 you know, copy and paste it in the last line and, you know, come up with a, a total and you could always tie that back into P&L, but something that would have taken five minutes took me an hour and a half. Right, absolutely. All right, also uh, it was, a, it would have been the same number of line items in an Excel spreadsheet, but you know what was initially maybe uh, again, um, you know, eight hundred line, you know, invoices for the month was twenty thousand. So you're now dealing with twenty thousand lines of code, and I literally had to go out and buy a new computer because my computer would take fifteen minutes if I added the line, it, it, and it just was so slow. So that was another expense. Great. So I mean, happy to hear that the startup actually benefited from the period of COVID. Very few companies actually did. Um, yeah, yeah, had other problems, but yes, uh, from that standpoint, it, it, it did very well. Actually, the, the, the company was able to to deal with the the influx of of orders um, from both shipping it and you know purchasing. Uh, so, uh, and the internal systems. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, also a lot of it came from e-com, which we really was cloud-based, so that wasn't the problem, and EDI. Perfect. I think that was a very interesting uh, discussion, Wayne. Um, any parting thoughts that you'd like to give our listeners to build a world-class finance function? Plan, plan, plan. Right. Update your business process maps. Do gap analysis and then go back and plan again mm -hmm. because if you don't constantly 
re-examine where you are and reassess, um, you're not going to you're not going to be able to keep up. And when I say plan, I also mean look at your business plan, look at your mission statement. And this is CFO can do with the other C-suite members. See if things are, are, have changed. Nothing's worse than starting off as a pure one brand e-commerce uh, company, all of a sudden going up to eight different brands, which means a lot more inventory, um, to selling to distributors and then selling to big box and then selling white label and opening up an office halfway around the world, which wasn't part of the initial plan. So all the decisions based on the initial plan were no longer... Uh, I won't say valid, but uh, would have been different. So you, you always need to reassess. And the best time to reassess is every month when you do your, your, your reforecast. It gives you time to see incremental changes and see what, what, what the CEO is thinking about and what marketing is thinking about and, and where you think you're going to go. And the CFO is right in with all those discussions because your job is to say no. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair words. Perfect. So thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation with me. I hope to host you again sometime soon. And for our listeners out there, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more.